0: And if you can sleep at night knowing that you are participating in the erasure of women, the harms to women and children, and the removal of healthy body parts, well, then don't join us.
1: Women are currently being erased in culture, and I want to amplify their voices and share their stories. Welcome to This is a Woman podcast. This week, I have Erin Friday on and we had a phenomenal conversation. She'll actually be this week and next week. It's going to be a two-parter. She is a licensed attorney here in the state of California, as well as she's co-lead of Our Duty. It's a group that helps parents that have children in this that are stuck in this gender ideology. So go ahead and check out Our Duty online to learn more about them, as well as she is a parent that had, as she says, a gender fairy visit her home. And she helped get her daughter out of the gender ideology and helped get her daughter out of thinking that she was a boy. So Erin has phenomenal information. In this episode, you're going to hear her dive into how we even got to where we're at today, especially here in California, who kind of started this whole gender ideology and the laws in California, the processes that got here. We're gonna talk about something that you don't hear often, but the truth about the suicide rate with trans children. Are they more suicidal after they transition or are they more suicidal if they don't transition? Well, you'll hear from Erin on that, so it's great. And then tune back in next Monday because then she's gonna share her personal story about how she got her daughter um, out of believing a lie and how you can also help your kids if they're stuck in the same lie. So on that note, hello, Erin, we are so grateful to have you here today, and I know the listeners are going to learn so much from you, and we're just beyond thankful for everything you're doing to protect women and to protect children here in California.
0: Well, I'm pleased to be here, and you're doing the same work, so I'm proud to be with you, standing with you on a podcast with you. Yes. You're amazing.
1: Well, thank you. And, you know, for everyone listening, Erin, I mean, I already kind of gave you all a briefing about who Erin is and the amazing work she's doing, but she gave a wonderful presentation at an event that we were both at a couple of weeks ago about how we got here in California to this trans ideology and erasing what a woman is. So, Erin, I just want to kind of hand it over to you and break it down for the listeners.
0: Sure, and I'm going to go back a little farther it, from the from the talking points from uh, the the speech. But um, this movement, this transgender movement, you know, has its genesis really in the 1950s. Mm. So we're going back years and years. And if um, anybody wants to read about it, there's actually a really good book. It's called "As Nature Made Him," and this is all about john money and he was actually uh one of the forefathers to start transgenderism and its popular movement um he and um kinsey um were part of this and foucault so if people ever want to go back in time and actually see where did gender identity come from it came from john money and uh he was a researcher who experimented on a twin uh, boy who had his genitals burned off with a bad circumcision and he decided to experiment on this kid and tell the parents to raise this male as a female and that gender identity trumps biological reality. And he became quite famous and he lied about the results of his experiment on this young boy and I remember even in college with my psych 101 class that I read about this and I read about it being a great success that nature um, is trumped by nurture and that's just a falsehood so that's how we really got to this gender identity idea this this belief that there's some kind of essence in all of us that is different from biology Moving forward to how we got here in California and how we started to get all of these uh, bills and laws that actually codify the idea that we all have gender essence um, or this feeling that, again, is more important than biology, we have to go back to a woman named Sheila Kuhl. And Sheila Kuhl was the first out lesbian or actually gay person uh, in the California State Assembly. And I would have lauded her. I've been like, that's great. You know, inclusion, equity, uh, anti-discrimination and go, go woman, Um, but I can't. And I know that she knows what she actually did and the train that she put us on, uh, she did purposefully. So this woman, Sheila Kuhl, she started her life out as a as a TV star she was actually an actress and she played the um I think it was uh, I am doby um, a very old 1950s and she was the smart girl uh not the most beautiful girl but this young man was always trying to um engage her, you know, date her, and uh, she was just too smart for him. You know, again, so kind of a woman that I would have been cheering on, uh, you know. And, but what happened with uh, Sheila Cool is she went to UCLA, smart woman. Um, it was found out that she was a lesbian through her sorority. They found love letters to another woman. So she was kicked out of the sorority, uh, which, of course, saddens me. And then she went off to law school and she was quite the scholar. She was one of the first two women to win moot court, which is a really difficult thing to do. That means you're you are actually arguing basically an appellate court and usually it's supreme court judges that come in and judge the moot court competition so very very brilliant woman Uh, but she had a chip on her shoulder and that's i think why she started the ball rolling in california to move us towards a place where women have no definition anymore and i find it really shocking that a woman who is a lesbian doesn't understand what a woman is or doesn't care. Um, But she has been quoted in interviews saying that her proudest moment were some of the bills that she passed that equated sex to gender identity. So she knew what she was doing and she did it anyway. So she started in 1999 with her passage of a bill that would uh, make it would move from the criminal code, which she put as hate crimes, gender identity. So this was the first movement. Let's say gender identity is, you you can't be hateful against somebody because of sex, race, and then gender identity. It's a really slick move because most people will say, let's not discriminate against anybody for the way they look, the way they dress, the way they perceive themselves. And I'm in agreement with that. If a man wants to dress as a woman, he should still be able to get a job. He should still be able to rent an apartment. She pulled on the heartstrings. Very smart move. Gets it over in the penal code. And then she moves that definition over into the education code. So it's a very slick move because people aren't paying attention. So then you get gender identity into the education code. And she ties it to you know, this is 1999. Here's her argument. Let me see if it sounds familiar to anyone. If we do not teach about transgenderism, same-sex attraction, kids will kill themselves. 1999. Same argument we hear today. Well, 1999, yeah. It's so interesting, because as you're explaining
1: all this, you know, it's it sounds like This is just what Scott Weiner is doing in the Senate. And this is what like Lori Wilson's doing and all these people now. And people don't realize it didn't just start last year. It didn't just start this year. This has been a very slow moving, thought out plan. And like you said, that's exactly what we're hearing today. If you don't let trans children or trans identifying children, transition, they will, um, kill themselves. And I would love to touch more into that. Cause I know you have some information on that, but go ahead and keep going. I just wanted to really make. Notice- yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, th- this is called incrementalism. Mm-hmm. You take one bill, you change it ever so slightly, nobody's paying attention. Look, we have jobs. How many people are, are looking at what the legislative body is doing They're They're passing 2000 bills a year they know this so they quietly they don't you know bring out press conferences for these little bills that they changed a little bit a little bit you know it's like taking the bite out of you know the cake just one little bite one little bite and then the cake is gone before you know it and we're at the place now where the cake is gone because mm-hmm. this has been going on for so long so what she did too is she tied it to uh she threw in some language removing the word uh um, handicap. Mm. So she made it disabled again. We see this when they, they tie these uh transgender bills to things that people can get behind. Um, they tie it to abortion so that that way they split Democrats who who uh are uh, really heavy into um pro choice. Then they have to they have to decide are they more pro cho- choice or more um, against the transgenderism this is a, this is a slick move mm-hmm. this is really really slick um so they've been doing this for for 30 you know 20 30 years they're very very bright um and so she she moved this she moved this train along moved this train along until we really landed in the place where we are today which happened in, I think, 2016 with um, AB 1266 passing, uh, saying that uh, anyone can opt into being a woman or a man and any child can play on any team, use any bathroom, uh, and, uh, and anybody can change sex. Sex is gender, gender is sex. And that's how we got here. And now we have a very hard task of unwinding all of this, and we have a very difficult task of debunking uh, the suicide narrative because it's still being used, and uh, and people are falling for it. So I'd like to talk a little bit about about the suicide stuff.
1: Yeah, let's definitely touch on that because I mean I even see in my local community parents are trying to talk to their school board, talk to the principal about how they can kind of make parents more aware of what's going on. And the answers they're always being told is, well, the kids are going to commit suicide, they're going to commit suicide. And the parents don't know how to respond to that. Because they're, if that's what you're telling me, if that's what you're saying, these stats are showing, how, how do I respond? But I mean, I know you've done tons of research into this, and that's not the case here. So I would love to dive into this.
0: Okay, so let's say in 1999, they're doing the suicide stats. They're saying all these kids will commit suicide. Let's be rational here. What are our suicide rates now? In 2020, I think, are the last time they they actually had the rates. In 2020, they are at their highest ever. Highest. So we're talking 10 years ago. Uh, 10 to 14-year-old suicide rates have increased 40% between 2010 and 2020. 40%. That is a crazy percentage, but that's the real number of completed suicides. So as we push more transgenderism in the schools and confuse more kids and open up their ability to watch more pornography and social media and all of this stuff. What is happening to our suicide rates with our kids? They're going up. Maybe we should change direction. Maybe we should bring parents back into their rightful place, controlling the custody, raising of their children. Uh, same, Same trajectory for kids age 15 to 25. That group, that demographic group, also has increased suicidality, completed suicide in the last 10 years. So what we are doing is we are actually creating more suicides. All of this transgenderism is creating confusion with these kids. What transgenderism does at its very essence is it takes a child And it says, child, little boy, you like pink. You play with Barbie dolls. You are trans. Mm -hmm. The leap there then goes to, you are trans. That means, child, you were born wrong. Everything about you is wrong. The way you walk the way you talk, the way you sit, the shape of your face, the amount of hair on your arms, your genitals, your gesturing, everything about you is wrong. How do you think that child feels? We know how that child feels Mm -hmm. because all you have to do is tell a kid that they're fat and their self-esteem drops We're doing one better. We're saying everything about you, child, is wrong. And the teachers are agreeing. And the government is agreeing. And the doctors are agreeing that this child was born wrong. What does that do to the mental capacity of that child? How does that child feel? What do they see when they look in the mirror every morning? They see a wrong person. If we talk about suicide. We are creating suicidal kids because we are not telling them that they are perfect. They are perfect just the way they are. They are perfect the way they were born. They are perfect if they are a girl that likes to play with boys things, which is regressive in and of itself and nonsensical. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a horrifying thing and yes, so that's why suicide rates are going up. But now let's talk about the arguments that they say, if you don't transition a child, they're going to commit suicide. Now this is going to sound trivial, but it's sometimes, sometimes the simple arguments are the most impactful. 15 years ago, kids were not transitioning. 10 years ago, kids were not transitioning. 20 years ago, kids were not transitioning. Where are all the dead bodies buried? Mm. Where are all, all the suicides 15, 20 years ago when kids could not transition? They don't exist. So it's a lie to say that these kids will commit suicide if you don't transition them. I personally work with thousands of parents now Across the country, parents like me, who believe in biological reality, we did not affirm our children, and there's not one of us that have a dead child. None of our children have committed suicide. I cannot say that for those who have affirmed their kids, sadly. Um, And I don't blame the parents I mean, some of them I do, but not all of them because parents are told that. Because their child, when their child comes out as transgender, their child is already in the depths of hell. That child is already believing everything is wrong with me. I'm worthless unless I transition. I am wrong unless I get puberty blockers. I was born wrong. So they're already in the depths of, of terrible depression. And then the parent takes the child in to a therapist or a psychiatrist or a, or a uh, medical provider looking for help. And that medical provider says to that parent, if you don't support your child's gender identity, if you don't, transition them if you don't get them on puberty blockers or cross sex hormones they are going to kill themselves and the parent is desperate the parent believes the medical community because we were taught to trust trust the experts they know so even when parents have that gut-wrenching belief that this is not true my child is just going through a really bad time, they hear that suicide threat and they just sign away because they want to keep their child alive. So parents fall for it. And again, I don't blame them because we'll get to my story, but every doctor I took my child to told me the same thing. Even the priest told me I will have a dead daughter instead of a live son. So you are pushed. So now let's talk about the kids that transition and, and what, what their prognosis is for actual suicide. Mm-hmm. There is a, one, there's a study um, being funded by the National Institution of Health. This study is now on its second year the study has the four largest pediatric gender cl- clinics involved. So you have Boston, uh, UCSF, um, Children's Hospital in LA, and um, oh, I'm going to forget the one in the one in Chicago. Sorry, I can't remember their name. But they are involved, and and this is a bevy of doctors. You've got psychiatrists. You've got endocrinologists, so-called experts, these are, you know, Boston brought this garbage to our country. So you have the best of the best doctors in gender. You have parents who are supporting their child's gender identity. These kids in this study were actually even vetted for severe mental health issues. So they took out the kids that were Already suicidal, and they didn't put them in the study. They had 315 kids in the study for the first year. Two of them have committed suicide. That is an over 40%, a a rate that's 40% higher than the uh, national population of kids. Two out of 315. In the best setting to transition these kids, unfortunately, ended their lives once they started on cross-sex hormones. So I ask, is this gender affirmative care or is this gender killing care? Is this child killing? Because that's what's happening. Nobody reports on that. And then the kicker? This is the crazy part. This NIH study, guess what they stopped tracking? Suicide. (laughs) They don't like the data, so they're not tracking it anymore because they don't want anyone to know that these kids are more likely to commit suicide as they transition. My daughter told me that she was going to commit suicide because that's what trans kids do. Mm -hmm. These kids, teenage suicide is a social contagion. We know this. We have this data on this. When a child commits suicide in a high school setting, you don't uh, celebrate the child because you get more kids thinking that they should commit suicide also. We know this. We're somehow forgetting this and All of these groups that are protecting kids, Trevor Project, teachers, school districts, politicians, they keep saying suicide, suicide, suicide. Do you think these kids aren't hearing this? Of course they are. So they take it inside and they say, well, I'm going to commit suicide anyway, because that's what I see on the Internet. That's what I'm told is I'm going to commit suicide. So when they have a bad day, that's what they do. Denmark. Denmark has a 40 year look back study on people who have transitioned. It's a 3.5 times higher percentage of people who post transition who commit suicide than the regular population. The other side likes to argue well, that's because it's discrimination. Well, that doesn't work in Denmark. Denmark is one of the most progressive countries in the world. Mm-hmm. They're not killing themselves because of discrimination. They're killing themselves post-transition because it did not resolve their mental health issues. It did not make their lives better. Same thing in Sweden. Sweden has a look back of 30 years. The percentage of people committing suicide post-transition, post-surgery is 19 times higher. than than the general population. So these are the real suicide numbers. The suicides happen post-transition. Nobody wants to report on those because it's a bad narrative for them. Or they just change the narrative and say, oh, it's because people are mean to them. People don't accept them. It's not the case. They can't find partners. They realize that they have hurt their bodies irreversibly and they cannot have a family. Some of these people end up in excruciating pain by putting testosterone in a female body where it doesn't belong. Really harmful things happen to female bodies. All sorts of atrophy. Men wake up you know, when they're 25 after they have removed their genitals and realize they have no sexual pleasure. They will never have any sexual pleasure. They will not be able to find a partner. They can't get any of this stuff back. And And hearing you,
1: like, say all this, you would think, okay, well, shouldn't it be common sense that we're going the wrong direction? Shouldn't doctors be turning us back around and saying, here's what's happening. And what I don't think a lot of people realize is the money scheme for doctors behind this and how they, once you start transitioning someone, you end up with a lifelong patient. And now you have someone constantly coming in and what it just you would think why would the doctors not try to reroute this and turn it back. But in reality, I mean, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, they're financially, financially benefiting from this situation.
0: Yeah. So there's two, there's, there's two things going on. So you have the gender clinics that are tied to these hospitals and uh, we talked about John money. I, I need to go back there. John money started the gender clinic at John Hopkins And once it was revealed, you know, years later, that his experiment failed and failed miserably, John Hopkins removed the gender clinic from the hospital. Mm -hmm. Well, a few years ago, they added it back. Why do you think they added it back? Because it brings in gobs of money. 20 years ago, 15 years ago, there was one pediatric gender clinic in the whole of the United States. Now there are over 300 because there is money to be made i know there's a video with um, the daily wire where they have tennessee a tennessee doctor at vanderbilt uh talking about how much money can be made uh in transitioning kids i mean a a breast breast removal is uh ten to twenty thousand dollars but it doesn't stop there because as you can hear with Chloe Cole's testimony, she had her double mastectomy, uh, I think it's now four years ago, and she's still having problems with her chest and nobody knows how to fix it. It's still oozing. Um, And so it's not just $20,000 to get the breasts removed. It now starts a whole cascade of Redos and fixes and going in and out of the doctor's office trying to get it fixed. Uh, facial surgery is a hundred thousand um, dollars. Shaving, you know, I mean, you have just a plethora of medical interventions now. Shaving the the trachea, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fashioning a. A vagina out of a penis is not an inexpensive um, surgery, and it's very complicated. It's not one and done. These patients are going back in and back in and back in because what they're creating is a wound in the human body that naturally wants to heal itself. And so it's going to keep healing itself. Very strange things happen in these, I don't mean to be gross, but in, in these surgeries, but very odd things happen. Hair grows internally. Mm-hmm. They call it popcornine or cornine because the body is trying to heal and it makes all these scars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, these are horrific, horrific surgeries, and there's money, money, money to be made, and they're making money off of people who are mentally unwell take an autistic kid, trick them into believing that they can change into something else. And you now have a child that is connected to the medical leash for life. Even when the child grows up and detransitions, they no longer can produce hormones. So they're, they get them on the front, they get them on the back. And if Anybody ever wants to really take a deep dive and look at, you know, who wrote the the American Academy of Pediatrics policy? Jason Rafferty. Jason Rafferty works where? In a gender clinic, of course. You know, most of the people at the highest echelon that are pushing this, they are the ones making the money from this. The other doctors, the doctors who know that this is wrong, they are fearful, and I have no sympathy for them, zero. So you may lose your job if you speak up, speak up anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, there's huge, huge money to be made. One can invest in this. Um, You can invest in mutilation. Mutilating people's bodies. Uh, um, there's a there's an online uh, hormone purveyor called Plume. Uh, they got funded by individual investors, mostly here in California. Twenty five million dollars. Um, it's a one point five billion dollar industry. Like you can get great returns on this. You can make money off of body parts. I mean, if we, we, we put this in the realm of, you know, selling people's kidneys, would people stop? Cause that's what we're doing. We're, we're just, we're selling girls breasts. We're removing them. And then what does it cost to try to get some kind of fake breasts put on? And does it work? It doesn't work. There's no skin left. Yeah. So there's money. Lots and lots, lots and lots of money changing hands. And I'm going to get a little bit deep divey, but ESGs, Mm. you know what ESGs are? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So ESGs is a big part of this environmental, uh, social and governance. And companies can buy a higher ESG score. And this is how they get better investors. Environmental, they don't do the environmental because that's really expensive to change their company to not be a bigger polluter, so they don't do the E. Social is really inexpensive. Social is pushing the transgender uh, agenda, donating money to a pride festival, um, you know, making sure that all your employees are are well versed in transgenderism. Add you know, add to your uh, insurance policy that you'll cover all of all of the, you know, transgender medicine for for kids and and for adults. That's an easy way to to get your boost up there, and that way you can get more investors, and you get you know, you get a you get a higher rating, and so there's just money, and they're not thinking about what the effect is on humans. Mm-hmm. It's just an easy way um, to you know, get brownie points from the human rights campaign.
1: Well, and for people that maybe aren't super familiar with ESGs, this isn't just hospitals. It's not things like that. This is what we saw with Bud Light by using Dylan Mulvaney, the transgender person using it. This you're seeing it with Nike. You're seeing like this is companies that you shop at and use every day that are trying to increase their ESG scores. And I know there's even been stuff coming out where People will say, I worked for that company. The higher up people don't agree with what's going on with the whole transgender ideology, but they know it will boost their score. So they'll push it anyways. So if people that aren't familiar with this, this is everyday companies you're shopping at and using it, trying to boost that score. And that's why we're seeing it being pushed so much right now.
0: Yeah. You have Target, Hershey's. I mean, some companies. I just found out that um, oh god, the soap that I use misses something. Oh, there's there's a soap that everybody uses. You get it at I think at Trader Joe's, but you know, Uh, everybody swears swears by the soap. And I think ten percent of their profits or something goes goes into transgender the transgender movement. You know what we are buying is supporting the mutilation of kids Mm -hmm. because again the expensive es part of the esg is environmental nobody wants to do that they don't want to clean up clean up their polluting and so they pick the social that's the easiest g is governance is easy too you know throw in uh you know an african american woman on your board um and you get points for for that mm-hmm. um you know it, it's just it's quite awful um there's a book called uh, woke woke.inc and it's written by um vivek who is running for for president um i've i've read it and you can actually see how the esg is pushing is pushing this so there's a whole onslaught of money 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 changing hands there's huge money too in um remember you know medi-cal is paying for this stuff medi-cal is paying for this our tax dollars are paying for this you and I, every time we pay our taxes, every time we get paid, we're paying for this. It's it's a huge cabal of money. And then, you know, there's other reasons why they're doing this too. Um, We can get into that if you want.
1: Yeah, no, I'm loving the deep diving into this and everything. But something I do want to touch on is When you choose to stand against this ideology and say, hey, I'm not going to affirm this ideology. I'm going to push against it because we know ultimately that's what's best for children. People like to say, well, you're transphobic. And you recently kind of touched on this at a press conference we were at, just the whole idea of transphobia. And can you just share... With those listening, why it's not transphobic to stand against this and the whole issue with people using the term transphobia?
0: Well, we have to define transphobia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, is trans, because really the true definition of transphobia is a fear of trans people, <laughs> you know, an acute fear of them um, and a hatred towards trans people. And that's an impossible position for me to have, and most people to have, because mm. we don't hate them. We have enormous amount of empathy for them. Mm. Many of our children or friends have children that are gender confused. Do we hate these children? Do do I hate the trans radical acti- activists that, that attack me? I don't. I know how they got there. Mm-hmm. I know that they got tricked, And I have an enormous amount of sorrow for them and love. We always, when we have these speaking engagements, and I don't know if you saw this and may not be true, but we always have one person standing aside who looks like they're gender confused and they're listening. And I want them to know that they are always welcome. We welcome everyone back. We welcome parents who have put their children on puberty blockers, and we don't judge them. We understand. We understand that they got, they got tricked. So no, there's not hate. Again, do I think that trans people should not have jobs? Of course not. Mm-hmm. Do I think that they should be harmed? No. Made fun of? No. None of these things. I'm hoping that they realize that they are loved for really who they are, not who they are trying to become or what they are trying to become. There is no transphobia in this group. Mm -hmm. And it's just an easy mantra to throw out. Just like, you know, I've been called homophobic, transphobic, a white nationalist. I voted for same-sex marriage. Mm I've been called right wing, I'm irreligious, I've been called, you know, all sorts of names. All of this is nonsense because it's the only way that they can try to counteract really the cogent and logical arguments, which is that nobody's born in the wrong body. It's as simple as that. Nobody's born that this way, nobody. Mm
1: So I think what's interesting to know is what we're seeing today is the stats have come out that show when a child is going through puberty and they're gender confused or they're thinking they want to identify as a different gender. If the adults in their lives, so their teachers, their parents and the community around them don't affirm that they were born in the wrong body, but instead affirm who they really are and talk to them that puberty is uncomfortable and like everyone kind of goes through those uncomfortable stages of growing and through those teenage years that over 90% of them never transition or move forward with this. And I think that really goes back to these children that are going through this dysphoria need to be affirmed that they were born in the
0: right body and that they are who they are. You're absolutely correct. So when a There's, I mean, there's countless studies Mm -hmm. They're across the board that when a child is gender confused and you let them go through their natural puberty and the adults in the room affirm that they are actually a female and actually a male, what they are biologically born to be and are, and can never change. uh, These children come out the other side, being comfortable in their bodies. Now the corollary is also true. So if a parent and the adults in the child's life affirm the gender identity, these children continue to have that confusion into adulthood. And they are then most likely to start a medical process. So that social transition piece is so important. And that is why, We are fighting so hard to get schools to stop keeping secrets from parents about the gender confusion of the kids in school so that parents can make that decision whether to socially transition their child or not and knowing that whatever decision they make, if they make the decision to affirm the gender identity, what the outcome is going to be if they make the decision to not affirm what the outcome will be and it's so that's how powerful social transition is and if we again go back into you know history if a parent tells a child that the child is stupid and there are studies on this you are stupid you're an idiot that child grows up believing that they're stupid and they're an idiot and that child does not flourish. And that child does not get higher education because they swallow that and they believe it. That's the power of the adults telling a child one thing versus another. We know this, this is not new. This has been for eons. And so it really is important for parents and teachers not to affirm this, gender identity, because you're actually providing a medical intervention. Teachers, you're not neutral. You're actually pushing this child to go get her breasts removed to sterilize herself. They need to know that, that they are not just a spectator. They are doing this. Um, and there's another story, I don't know if you know this and I'm gonna get his name wrong, but there's a, there's a doctor in the UK, um, his first name I think is Kareem, mm. people can look this up, but he, ha- he, he tried an experiment. He had people who had transitioned meet and have a, a support group with people who were thinking of transitioning. Mm. And the result of those support groups was those who thought of transitioning did not. Mm. Once they actually met with those who transitioned and got the real stories of what it's like. And these kids are not given the real stories. They are looking on TikTok and seeing, you know, these fabulous looking people who have transitioned that, of course, are all made up, right? They look great, they have their filters, and they think I can be that too. Um, That is why Bruce Jenner is so dangerous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because people look at him and say, I'm gonna be rich, I'm gonna be on TV, everyone, I'm gonna be on the cover of a magazine it's just not true. It's giving a false sense of 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 what actually can happen. Same idea, again, let's go back to reality. You know, a kid growing up saying, I'm gonna be a major league baseball player. I'm gonna be just like my hero. How many people actually achieve that? How many children actually achieve the red carpet? How many, when they transition and look like, perfect rec- replicas of women like Dylan Mulvaney. How many Dylan Mulvaney's are there? Uh, so it's really dangerous because kids will look up to this. They'll see, um, oh my gosh, I'm gonna forget his name. He talks against this, but he's super wealthy. He's, he's got millions and millions of followers. Do as I say, not as I do. Doesn't resonate with kids. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's dangerous. Um well I think it's the same thing
1: that like when I was younger what it was more is you would see the supermodels on Instagram or you would see the Megan Foxes of the world and it's like how do I become like that pretty and how do I look like that and all that and like half the time they don't tell you those photos are edited like crazy to make the woman's body look shaped differently or she's went and got a bunch of lip work done and all these different things done and so now what we're seeing is current teenagers instead of being how do i look like the hottest girl ever the hottest guy ever they're seeing like you said the dylan mulvaney's or the people the bruce jenner's where they're getting lots of money from this and they're on the covers of magazines and they're thinking how can i achieve that and it's just not real it's the same way like I'm never going to look like Megan Fox. That's just reality. Like these <laughs> children are never going to be the Dylan Mulvaney's. And I mean, Dylan Mulvaney can do his day 27 of being a girl day 30, like all he wants, but he's not showing the also probably tons of negative side effects that's happening to him. And I think that's, the harmful side effects of social media nowadays is you're not seeing the reality of what's happening. You're just seeing the good side, and the children are la- very much latching on to all of those ideas.
0: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and all of this is not new. Um, this is all a social contagion. Mm-hmm. This happened. Uh, you know, I'm going to age myself, of course, but Lady Di, Lady Di, was the young, beautiful princess all over magazines and then it came out that she was bulimic Mm. how many girls then became bulimic thousands and thousands of girls Mm -hmm. uh there's also a story of 90210 um, that show where it was all these beautiful beautiful people beautiful boys beautiful girls uh, living in southern california with their convertibles and Um, that show went over to, um, uh, to an Island where beauty was considered to be heavy women. Mm -hmm. And so the standard is large women. And when that show got over there, all these women started having eating disorders. Happened in Japan also this wanting to be the other Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and and, I mean this we had the heroin models the supermodels who were heroin addicts Mm -hmm. well we had an explosion of heroin addicts so we're having the same thing Mm -hmm. we're telling kids that they are not perfect just the way they are and the internet is a huge huge contributor to this if I am not Megan Kelly, I must be a man. Mm-hmm. And I, I can be better off as a man. And we're telling butch lesbians, girls that would just grow up to be butch lesbians, that you're not okay. You're not okay to be a masculine woman. It means you must be a man. And you must transition to be a, a facsimile of a man. And these are really wretched, horrible things that we're doing to kids. They argue the other side, the kindness, they pull on heartstrings again, going back to 1999, all these heartstrings, these pulling on, on kindness and, and loving. And it's kind to tell somebody that they're perfect the way they are. That's the ultimate kindness. That's the ultimate love. And that gets lost in the shuffle. It really does.
1: Yeah. And So I do want to get into your personal experience with this. But before we touch on that, I know there's a lot of people that are listening and they think, okay, well, you know, we can try to switch the way things are being portrayed on social media. We can try to talk to people differently. But how do we change what's happening, especially California law? It's already law. It's too late. But recently you've worked on putting together some initiatives. And so can you kind of explain that and what that process is, and what that means—at least here for California—that there is opportunities to
0: go back on the law. Y- yes, and it's never too late. Mm-hmm. Look, I—I I say this a lot. I was—I am a Democrat. I voted for all these people. I voted for all these things. Um, I didn't pay attention. I had no idea what was happening. It's not too late. And we—every person has power. You don't have to be wealthy, you don't have to be a lawyer, you don't have to be anything. You just need to sometimes pick up the phone and make phone calls to your legislator. There's really simple actions that everyone can do because you're one person and then 10 more people, 20 more people, 30 more people are doing this. So we can reverse this course and we will. I guarantee you we will. We've seen it in other states. Reality is coming back. It's gotten so absurd that people can't define what a woman is. It's just absurd. So we can unwind this and we need to unwind this, but what we're doing in California, which is what we have to do here because the legislature is not listening to us. It's a super majority Democrat. um, but even some of the Republicans are deciding to sit on their hands or sit on the sidelines. So we, the people, us, regular people, we're going to change it. And we have um, written uh, three ballot initiatives that we're hoping to get on the 2024 ballot. And these initiatives um, will change California. And what the first one does is we'll get male bodies out of female sports. This is just basic biology. There's just a slight difference between boys and girls. I'm being facetious. There's a huge difference, huge. And we know this and everybody knows this. And anybody who says that there isn't a difference, they need to check into an institution because that's just not true. Or maybe they need to read a little more. I shouldn't be so harsh. They need to read a little more or maybe have a running race with a, with a, Mm -hmm. with a male. Or a female, and and, and see what that is. You know, see how they get smoked um, or crush the other person. Um, It's basic. And then we have a a ballot initiative that is, um, would require schools to involve parents when their child is gender questioning at school and to not do anything to promote social transition of that child without parental consent. So that's another initiative We and our third, which is to stop gender interventions on humans under the age of 18. So they're big initiatives. We need to fund these. You can go to um, protectkidsca.com to sign up, to help get signatures, to donate. Um, But the important part about these three initiatives, if we have 75% of Californians, regardless of religious background or political background, are for these initiatives. So if we get them on the ballot, we're going to win. And if we win here in California, so goes the nation. Mm So if you are in another state, you still should be promoting our initiatives here. Mm -hmm. What we do in California goes elsewhere. Even if your state has laws right now that prevent uh, gender interventions on children under the age of 18, do not rest on your laurels. Because if we don't kill it here, it's just going to come back out. We have to yank it from the root And its roots are here in our golden state. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're just circumventing. We're circumventing the California government and we have a right to do it. Democracy requires individual participation. Anyone can do this. And to those people who are hesitant, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my friends. Lose your friends. You're going to get new ones. I have lose your job. You're going to get a new job. You have to sleep at night. And if you can sleep at night knowing that you are participating in the erasure of women, the harms to women and children and the removal of healthy body parts, well then don't join us.
1: Mm-hmm
0: but I suspect that you believe what we believe. So you have to do something. Even if you send in a check for 24, $25, you're doing something and everyone needs to do something. Cause if everyone does something, it's over. Don't we want to end it? I want to end it. I want to go back to my regular life. Um, I want to go back to reality. I want to go back to knowing that when I walk into a bathroom, I'm safe. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And so these initiatives, what we're going to need, like you said, donations, you can go to the Protect Kids CA online. And then if you're listening and you feel like you want to either donate or you want to help collect signatures, either visit the website or you can reach out to me on the podcast and I'll connect you with how to get the signatures. That process hasn't started just yet, but as soon as it will, we'll need people getting signatures. You can donate already. So please reach out to me and I'll help connect you to the website and the best way to go about this. Because as Aaron said, everyone across the nation should be supporting and pushing for these three initiatives to pass in California. Because as California goes, so goes the nation.